stands the glass Fill it up to the brim Till my troubles grow dim It's my first one to take Again, a, a pretty basic kind of song. You know, I think it's about three minutes long, something like that. Uh, two and a half, actually, looking at the Spotify version here. Um, there is a little more kind of emotional uh, and a little more pathos here than you might have had in uh, Detroit City. Uh, you know, this is clearly a guy who needs a bit of a drink every once in a while. To every once him. in a while. <laughs> Bob... Uh, uh, illustrates uh, very vividly, I think, uh, the reality that might be informing someone with these thoughts and these uh, these opinions. I'm just going to quote here, if you'll indulge me for a moment. This is a paragraph that has gotten a little, you know, we, I at least, I think you yeah, too. I've seen We've it. read a lot of reviews. People are, are not happy about certain aspects of this book, <laughs> uh, typified by paragraphs like this, which go... He fought like a savage. He stuck a bayonet into babies' bellies and gouged out old men's eyes. He's been unfaithful to the human spirit, and he's assassinated priests. He lost his independence years ago. He's lived on rations, and he's done degenerate and demonic things. He plugs his head into nightly dreams and sees million-dollar wounds, purple hearts. He sees his ranks whittled down piecemeal. He rounds up the elderly women and children, torches their huts, and turns his machine gun on them. He sees shadowy figures in black pajamas and conical hats. <laughs> he sees a little boy, two years old, and he murders him. He sees his buddies slit a girl open with a knife, strip off her clothes, and rape her. Then he shoots her with an automatic. His horny buddy. So, <laughs> the song There Stands the Glass, I know as a country uh, standard, basically, sort of like a classic uh, country song. Which is which, what it is. <laughs> well, that's exactly what it is. And it's a song that, you know, is ostensibly about somebody who is heartbroken. But what Dylan does here is actually just engages and, and addresses the idea of what causes somebody to drink every day to to do this ritualistic drinking what yeah what are what if you are this fucking guy who says there stands the glass fill her up to the brim i wonder if you think of me in my misery until my troubles grow dim it's my first one today like what kind of guy would actually be the guy with this fucking thing going on in his life well that series of lines is the most interesting to um way with with dylan's interpretation of it because I wonder if you think of me in my misery. That would normally, and I think to the to most people and everyone else probably who's ever sang the song, they think about the woman who has hurt the lover. Them. Yeah, exactly. And in this case, it's pretty clear that Dylan is thinking about some, you know, this character wondering about the the tortured souls of those he's murdered in yeah, war. Yeah, the atrocities he the, committed the, in the Korean War. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's sort of haunted by the the ghosts of these uh, people that he just mowed through, and he's back now, and and he's in a place where he's not only you know he's he's survived, he's he's safe, and uh, he's not safe from the memories of these. Uh, these people, these, these souls. I wonder if you think of me in my misery. It's funny to 
think of that in a way is darkly fun. funny. Yeah, Even funny. <laughs> well, it is, uh-huh. there, there's a darkly funny aspect to it. Because, I know, what you mean. at least to me, because it's a selfish idea in a way. I wonder if you, who I murdered, think about me in my misery. Like, why would they think about you? You know. Right. But on the other hand, well, you're the only they, one that's alive to regret all of the shit that you fucking did. So that's being haunted. That's why it's yeah, got to be that exactly. Actually yeah. haunted by by ghosts. I mean, it is a. It's a read that works, and it doesn't matter that that's maybe not the intention of the songwriters um, or even the performers. What it shows is that, again, you know, just as in Detroit City, he doesn't just take seriously what they're saying as they seem to be saying it. He takes them seriously in every way they can be taken seriously. Or he acknowledges that there are ways some of these songs and, and a lot of them, why he loves them, I think is because they're songs that have this infinite sort of way of um, looking at them. You can turn them around in your hand and look at this song from different angles and apply different kinds of light to it, and it will reflect different things back at you. And this is an example of kind of a perfect object of a song like that. It's one that stands up to the most harrowing, truly blackest, most miserable and wretched human acts of cruelty if you could make it about that you can also make it about just being really depressed just your sweetie uh, baby leaving you for another guy for any reason yep and the song works he's got a quote about that in another chapter that we're going to talk about in the the elvis chapter and pump it up uh but i pulled this out separate because it was just such a perfect uh kind of crystallization of how he thinks about music and how i think He interprets the way that people have thought about his music here. Uh, He says, knowing a singer's life story doesn't particularly help you Mm -hmm. understanding a song. Uh, Frank Sinatra's feelings over Ava Gardner allegedly inform, I'm a fool to want you. But that's just trivia. It's what a song makes you feel about your own life that's important. And that's what he's doing here with this song that is so basic, that is so simple, that is so straightforward and there, you know, black ink on a white page, as opposed to something like Mr. Tambourine Man, which has just occasioned reams and reams of detailed fucking treatises about what it might mean and where it came from and, you know, This isn't about what it might mean. It's- I think what he's illustrating here is that that, like, There Stands a Glass, Detroit City, Mr. Tambourine Man, they all stand up to the same level of kind of reading and and imagination and interpretation and meaning in your own life. Uh, and, and some of them them are a little bit more evident and obvious on their face that they can stand up to all of those different readings, all those different reflections, tambourine man. But if you're really taking this stuff seriously, if you're really kind of trying uh, to think about it and approach it and, and fit it into your kind of emotional matrix, Detroit City and their stand at the glass are just as powerful and just as significant to you or can be just as powerful and significant to you as tambourine man. If this book changes the way that you listen to music, it it could change it in the way that you start to see these songs as sort of, in a way, more superficial, but also more reflective, more mirror-like. Like, they have this quality to them that directly can relate to the real troubles and, and the real stuff of life. And they may seem to be kind of trite, but they're they're actually... What they are is like essentialized. Like this song in particular represents something essential. I don't think there's a better song out there 
in terms of clarity about numbing one's emotional life through alcohol. This is about as clear and concise a song about that incredibly potent human experience as you could ever hope to encounter. And Dylan is showing by going totally fucking crazy uh, (laughs) prose about it that this song, you know, it it might as well have been written in 1300. It's a song that has something essential within it. Yeah, it's all it's all been there since the beginning. And these first halves, these riffs, right? A lot of them are written in this very dramatic and sh- like this is supposed to be fucking shocking and disturbing kind of prose here. Uh and it's not the only time that this this returns and um, you know, putting aside, you know, whether or not you think that that there is a problem with this book ipso facto because there are so few women's song uh or singers rather because there are many more women songwriters if you count up the credits. Um, but, uh, you know, the, 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 le- the charge of misogyny that's being leveled against Bob Dylan, like the, the, these, these riffs, this prose, this, this, uh, personality that he's adopting here, this is not Bob Dylan writing this as if it's Bob Dylan himself thinking these, that like he's inhabiting the person in this song to an extent. And he's also inhabiting himself as this wizened old historical ghost. But anyone who takes this writing uh, without a grain of salt, as as if it is just diaristic, and and this is the man <laughs> spilling his thoughts out there. You just you you have a you have a bird brain, uh, and so I don't want to spend too much time, you know, uh, combating critics or anything. But it's very clear to me that Bob is trying to uh, adopt some sort of presence or persona in a lot of this writing. He's an entertainer, and he's doing his job. That's right. He's a song and dance man. What do you got next? It's my first one to take. 